Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan, <laughs> a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And with us today is very special guest, Chris Dorch. Say hello, Chris. Hi, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Man, we are super excited that you're here. Uh, so, so glad that you were able to work it into your schedule, because the Film Fest is only a few weeks away. So I'm shocked that you're um, either not asleep or not just like frantically running around uh, doing I'm, 8 million things. I'm currently things. sipping on <laughs> one of those carnation liquid meal drinks right now, which has become my life. So yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely a few weeks out from the feds. <laughs> have you, at least you haven't gotten to the point where you have to like inject the nutrients intravenously. I have actually written several science labs about that becoming a reality and no one is getting back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if they ever figure out how to uh, just, you know, like keep pumping nutrients in without having to eat, uh, try to find a way to where you can sleep and eat at the same time. Because like there are what, times that maximize your time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what I need is that gum from Willy Wonka only without the giant blueberry part. You know, where it's like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm getting a baked potato right now. This is incredible. So great. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, but then you wouldn't get any nutrients. And yeah, you're right about those nutrient things. I, I, I'm finding out that they're you just, important. You just take a pill <laughs> so, for those and then chew the gum you're, for the you're flavor. Right. <laughs> that, that, there's the ratio I need. I'm so glad that we're talking about movies. That's uh, that's what we're doing, right? The, yeah, yeah that, that's all I do. There was some Willy Wonka in there. <laughs> Yeah, if, if this switches over to geography chat, I'm screwed, guys. So <laughs> so. so tell us about Taiwan. Where is that in relation to China? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find it on a globe with three tries, asshole. You know, like, <laughs> like, oh, good. Just you keep pointing at the metal parts like, no, that's yeah, the base. The metal part is actually not a place, Chris. You know, like, <laughs> like, what? That's not the pole? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Wait, shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Chris is joining us today because you are the director, head poobah, grandmaster, the, the person who makes the Chat Film Fest happen. Um, and and we're going this year and super Great. excited. Yes, this will be my first year going. Um, That's awesome, so man. I'm you picked a hell of a first year. I'm, 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 I think there's a lot of good stuff on deck. For oh, you, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, like we've been going back through and I've been doing sort of a like pre-festival coverage to uh, to get Eric amped up for the uh, for this year. <laughs> That's awesome. And like on, on the one hand, it's almost overwhelming because it's like, all right, watch all of these awesome movies. Try not to get overhyped because I don't want you to be disappointed because like yeah. I want you to get like, you know, appropriately excited sure. to then be amped up for this year. While at the same time being like, all right, keep getting amped. Like, watch more movies. Oh, just yeah. Keep wa- more. Just watch more movies. Oh, there's no way I'm going to be disappointed either. Like, I mean, just based on everything that's been announced so far, all of the, like, different workshops and even the, I mean, the films, of course. Yeah, obviously. But, but like, <laughs> no, I, you know I what, keep though? thinking I, of it as I'm more really of an experience glad, like, than just a movie. It means a lot to me to hear you thing. lead by talking about the workshops and stuff because this is one of the years that we had the opportunity to put as many eggs in that basket as we did the movie basket. And mm-hmm. I, I, I wondered if people would give a shit or if they would be like, yeah, there needs to be more movies and less of this other stuff. It's just like, I can't imagine anybody who walks into Gary Sherman's talk about Poltergeist 3, which if you don't know about that movie, like every effect in it is practical and every effect is done in camera. Mm-hmm. So Gary Sherman is like the David Copperfield of directors. And <laughs> to have this guy talk about why that's so such a bizarre thing is to me also part of what we are. So it means a lot to me when anybody comes up to me and, and mentions not just a film that they're excited about. So thank you guys for even diving into that stuff. We no, it took a, a lot to get it out here. That's so, what I'm super excited about. Cause with a festival, it's like the, these movies are not just going to exist in a vacuum. It's like, we're really going to be like their people will be talking about them actually just talking about film in general. And like, sure. that's what I love about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and like we've uh, talked about that pretty much every single time that we've been talking about the film fest. Where, like, I think even uh, the last episode of uh, no, not the last one because this one's coming out after a twenty eighteen. We've been recording ahead a little bit, so some of our timing is a little bit off. (laughs) The episode that we did talking about twenty seventeen, the beginning of it it might sound a little weird because it almost sounds like we're saying eh, films, whatever. But it's like, no, 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 like the films are awesome, but like that's just the starting point of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like the rest of it is what 
the rest of the stuff, the um, the the workshops, the uh, the various talks that you have, like having guests in attendance, like that's what takes it from just being a movie marathon into a film festival. I agree. It's about immersion. And and it it really like I I don't think that you get fully immersed just, you know, not not that the the film and and the communal aspect of that isn't isn't there. But to me, it's like it's almost like summer camp for movies. You know, (laughs) if I don't have a craft hour where people can make macaroni necklaces, people are going to get bumped. So. I I love the fact that like the teaser that you initially uh, did with junk food cinema and uh, shockwaves and um, see Robert Cargill doing the Dungeons and Dragons, like the stuff that you teased and Mallory O'Mara talking about lady from the black lagoon. That's the stuff that like honest to God has been like the things that I'm most excited about. So so everything else, it's like wave one films. Awesome. Awesome. I'm still amped just from like the teased announcement. Well, and it also like gave me a book to read. I just finished Lady from the Black Lagoon this morning, actually. Book? Yeah, so. man, that's great. Yeah, and and I, that talk is is even goes even deeper than the than the book does, uh, just because she's had so many new pieces of information come out. But I'm I think people are going to be blown away by her, and also selfishly we're doing in a large outdoor park in Chattanooga a screening of Creature from the Black Lagoon oh, for free so and so to me that's the weirdest thing that's ever been shown publicly outdoors in Chattanooga and I just love that a lot so <laughs> like when, it feels like I'm making the kind of trouble that I'm here to make you know? <laughs> yeah. so when and where is that screening because Creature from the Black Lagoon has been and probably always will be one of my all-time favorite movies so I want to promote here. the hell out of that so it's uh, it's Saturday night, actually, uh, and uh, the official time will be we're still moving things around on the schedule. So if I give you a number, it could shift by 30 minutes, but it's looking like about eight o'clock uh, it, because since it's outdoors, we're having to wait for the sun to go down, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but and also this screen that it's on is a 10K screen and we are showing this Dang. new 4K restoration. So get ready to watch this movie in a way that I, I've I've never seen it look like this and I've seen it hundreds of times. So it's it's you're going to freak I, as a fan. You're this is going to do it for I you. I wish I you could see Nathan's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah so like, are you going to gonna hand out diapers uh, so that people can just poop <laughs> themselves like excitement? Too. Yeah. Oh God! Uh, and that Saturday, April twelfth, right? No, uh, thirteenth, uh, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, I've been trying to remember exactly which day is which for like months now, and you think I'd know? So. <laughs> yeah, because it starts on Thursday, the eleventh. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh God, I, I, I don't even know what to say now because I'm just like already <laughs> drooling over watching a uh, creature in four K outside. I'll start yeah. off. How about that? <laughs> All right, Eric, you, you have a question. I'm, go with, go I'm with gonna go question. very general to give Chris some time to wax poetic on us. Is Chattanooga <laughs> Film Fest 2019 the best year yet? You know, I'm contractually obligated to tell you that it is the best year. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm not contractually obligated to tell you that, uh, okay, every year since we've begun, okay, year one started with me writing people like A24 and saying, hey, I have a film festival, which is a thing I gather <laughs> they hear a lot, and them not even returning our emails. And this year of all of our six years has been the year where of all the content I went fishing for, very few things that did not end up in our hands. So awesome. it's the closest to what I see in my head when I start putting one together every year that I've ever gotten to the other side with, if that makes sense. So in a, in a lot of ways, it's my personal favorite, but also like, you know, you guys were there. I I got to introduce the monster squad with like, so it's like, it's tough. There there's things every year that just mean the world to me. So I, I right now on paper, this one's my favorite. I'm hoping I feel that way when I actually get and live through it too, but (laughs) I feel like I will. So we'll see. Well, and I, I feel like probably uh, just some of the excitement of the unknown, like inherently is going to make it your favorite. You know, like you think back of even just like Christmas's past and like, yeah, every Christmas was great. But the excitement of this upcoming Christmas, like, oh, that's I'm such really a great excited. way to put it. Yeah. yeah, that's an awesome way to put it. That's exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. 
So why did you even start CFF? And like, I know that's probably the most generic question no, that you've I love gotten that asked on yeah. every single interview. No, nobody asked it very much. So I, I moved back to Chattanooga uh, because I was pressured. I was living in Nashville for 13 years. I was, uh, I had grown up in Chattanooga and I love Chattanooga and Cleveland very much. Uh, I, they're a part of my life. But when I was growing up, obviously it was still in the era of video stores and you really, there wasn't any independent film or anything crazy out there and i had to eventually make the leap to a bigger city to even get access to more film and i wound up moving to, to nashville to attend a truly wasn't for me film school that's out there called watkins uh and dropping out of watkins to pursue a job at a, at a channel called the documentary channel and at the same time getting to work at the belcourt theater there so i was getting to work directly with filmmakers at the channel i was getting to work directly with the kinds of art house cinema and people who loved it that i loved at the belcourt and somehow in between doing those two things i became obsessed with just like you know when you hear a record or something you love and you want to put it in the hands of your friends that you know will love it I got kind of hooked on sharing movies and uh, I was sort of forced to come back to Chattanooga, you know, financially because the documentary channel started to go away and uh, was in a truly terrible relationship at the time. And uh, uh, when when I got here, I didn't know anybody, even though I'd grown up, grown up here, I kind of had to rebuild my whole life. And promptly I was out of town for a work trip and was told that my then fiance had moved out of the house on me. Like, uh, she was like, Hey, by the way, I've been cheating on you for a long time. And, oh uh, I've been, you know, waiting for an opportunity for you to not to be here so I could move out. And so I was like, this is it. My life is over. I have nothing. I'm in a town that even though I grew up here, I don't feel like I have a base or anything for me to do. And what happened was my dad was trying to cheer me up and he made me go to what was then a Chattanooga Film Society meeting. And I went into that Chattanooga Film Society meeting and I listened to this room full of people talk about the future of film in Chattanooga in terms that to be very frank with you, scared the shit out of me. And if the, if I let these people hold the reins, then what would have come would have been boring. We would have been, <laughs> you know, literally watching, King, you know, screenings of nothing but like, you know, the English patient and the King's speech on an endless <laughs> loop. Those, those prestige Oscar nominated dramas would be the only, you know, independent films that made it here. And that that made me sad enough and angry enough that I was like, screw this. I'm starting a film club. And I started this goofy ass film club with the name Mizan Scenesters with a coworker <laughs> of mine. It. Literally, the name was because we wanted it to be to float to the top of Google searches, and we figured that nothing would be dumber than that name <laughs> that anyone could come up with, so no one else would have That's it. Great. And so we started doing pop up movie screenings. I it's would not say, dumber than the Gargoyle. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, God bless you, sir. There's some synergy between us there. But it, you know, it started with us just. I would shave off. You know. I would literally save the change from my couch cushions and a little bit of extra money from my paycheck and pay the license fees for movies. And we would just do pop-up movie screenings anywhere in town that we could. And they started going really well. And I couldn't believe it. Even though we had like a shitty projector and like basically paint buckets for people to sit on, they were selling out or people were coming out to them and loving it. And it just became one of those things where I got braver and braver and started doing the screenings with more frequency. And then from there, the first year of FAF, our, our horror festival, Frightening Ass Film Festival, started in a in a in a kind of a it was the first year was a bunch of double features all spread throughout the month of october and at when i got through the end of that month even though it had been a lot more work than i i had been doing in terms of programming i thought well god i you know i can do this i i can make a film festival happen on a larger scale and then about that time the film club got big enough that the Chattanooga Film Society couldn't pretend like I didn't exist anymore. I, I was, you know, I had been this creepy kid showing things like Return of the Living Dead, which is something they could give a shit about, and suddenly I was on their radar. And what ha got what happened is I got asked to join their board. And first meeting I went in, there was a, a, a group of people discussing how a film festival in Chattanooga was a decade away, and we needed to start planning. And I, you know, I'm an impatient person, and I raised my hand and I said, "Well, why do you guys think we're a decade away?" And they said, we are. And I'm like, but why are we? <laughs> and no one could give me a solid answer. And so I said, all right, if I can go out with your permission and start, you know, pounding the pavement and find enough money to make this thing happen, will you guys let me run it? 
And they said, no, we're bringing in a graduate student. He's all about <laughs> running film festivals. He's going to do a great job, but we want you to go to the meetings with him. So I had to go to like six or seven of the most terrible meetings I've ever been through in my life <laughs> and watch a guy who, even though his heart was in the right place, discuss something that would have sound, it would have been my hell had it come to fruition. And right. finally, I got fed up enough with it that I told that board, hey, guys, I don't like the direction this is going. I think I'm going to resign. And uh, at the time that that occurred, I was told, oh, well, this graduate student we brought in, we don't think he's working out. He's going to go away. Maybe you should try to run it. And I was like, all right, well, cool. That's what I wanted. I'll hang in there for a while longer. And then uh, in the process of me putting together the first year's funding for the first year's film festival, the Chattanooga Film Society broke apart and doesn't exist anymore. So sudden, even though I was this guy that was working toward an initiative with other people, suddenly I was on my own. All of those people <laughs> abandoned me. And I had to figure out how to make year one happen no matter what. And I did it with the help of my friends and with the help of my dad, honestly. Uh, you know, uh, and that year went well enough that we thought, hell, let's try it again. And that's been the story every year. Somehow it's, it's gotten done every year uh, with various amounts of funding, with various amounts of resources. It's, it's always happened. Uh, and I think now it's just about me being too stubborn to let it die. You know? <laughs> well, we're glad that you're that you're yeah. that stubborn. Sorry, yeah. that was a very long answer. I apologize. Thank no. God for your stubbornness. Uh, yeah. Also, I had no idea that some of our pre-podcast banter uh, hit so close to home. Yeah. I I feel bad about that now. No, no, that's I I. I, I love that. It, it, it does, it's not that it that it. Uh, I don't regret anything. Uh, this this is the least amount of food I've ever eaten without regretting. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, when when we had Cinerama, that meant I was literally sleeping in an abandoned grocery store. You know, that was my home while while we had that place. But I've always had this attitude, uh, whether it comes from growing up going to punk shows and just. You know, I don't care if I have to sleep on a couch if it means I'm sleeping on that couch in the name of something that not only I love, but that other people love. And uh, like like you you did say, we were talking about it before before we started recording, Nathan. Uh, this is bigger than me now. There, There's a lot of people like you guys, like Daniel Guy, who I know you guys are friends. People that I know are getting as much joy from this thing as I am putting it together. And and I can't let that go. That that's That's a thing for me. It really is, you know? Yeah, and the love that you have for cinema, it absolutely shines through. Um, that I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, that that's all we have. Yeah. Yeah, and like I, I know we were also talking about this a little bit. Like I know that not everyone loves the movies that you pick because different people have different tastes. Yeah. But like even if it's a movie that uh, that someone doesn't enjoy, or even if it's something that like I watch and I'm like dude why like there's still <laughs> there is still that love for cinema and like you know even some of the movies that uh, that we've talked about before and you're like oh this is why i've picked this one i'm like you know what i didn't love this movie but now i love that i saw it because of your love for cinema mm -hmm. and because of just that's, that's again the passion that you put into it the best compliment ever and you know what my question for people whether they love or hate something is often yeah but are you glad you saw it Mm -hmm. And, and uh, almost always people say yes. And, and for me, it's also like, you know, uh, there's a thing this year, for example, called Cowboy Who, which is a <laughs> public access Canadian kids series from 1990. And this thing may have never crossed any of our doorsteps, if not for a person named Peter Kaplowski, who Peter happens to program the Midnight Madness films for Toronto Film International Film Festival. Amazing programmer. This is a passion project for him that he's getting to bring here because he fell in love with something and he wants to share it. And finding people and Grady Hendrix is a great example. Grady mm -hmm. Hendrix read a thousand bad horror paperbacks and loved every minute of it <laughs> and wrote a book that a thousand percent distills that joy. And so, like you're saying, it's not all it's may not be about me thinking that everything I have is the masterpiece to end all masterpieces. It's more like this is a group of insane films of all types that I'm just stoked to share with some people that I know get a charge out of this thing too, you know? So, uh, we have a question about cowboy who more yeah. specifically, um, the, cause we were reading over the, um, the second wave announcement and like going through and saying, all right, here's all the stuff that's coming up. And, 
we didn't read through it before we were podcasting. So, like, just at the end of the episode, as we're reading through, there's a bit of just like, wait, what? Because <laughs> it was the, the first time that we actually looked at it. Um, but we noticed that during Cowboy Who, at least I think it was Cowboy Who, that you're going to have an all-you-can-eat cereal buffet. Oh, yeah. I had this uh, question. Yes. <laughs> we, yes, sir. We have some questions about the uh, the validity of that statement. Like, how all-you-can-eat E will how, it actually How committed be? are you to this terminology? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I'm glad that you asked me that question. Know this. We ourselves and our hearts are deeply troublemaking individuals and if someone <laughs> challenges us on the every like all like you want to see how much cereal you guys can eat like i got you matched <laughs> so, <laughs> so what i'm saying is you you eat until you feel like you're gonna die and if that still isn't enough you let us know and we'll get another truck so yes. <laughs> all right fantastic That's exactly what we wanted to hear yeah and and you know i also have to bring up how the cereal thing came about which is when you see Cowboy Who, and I hope you'll give it a shot, uh, the, it is it evokes this feeling of being a kid and having a bowl of cereal in front of you and experiencing Saturday morning cartoons. And it's on a Saturday morning here, and it just felt too right not to let that happen. And so <laughs> it literally just it, it be, it be, we always try to look at the schedule and think, all right, we've made the schedule now. What can we do to give this thing special features like a great Blu-ray? You know, like what can we do to add just an inch more fun to something we're already doing? And that serial is born out of that kind of mindset of like, no, this isn't enough just to show Cowboy who I want these people to be sugared out of their minds on Frosted Flake. You know, so that kind of thing. Oh, my God. Uh, I cannot wait. Um, God bless I, you for it. I, I don't remember <laughs> if it was someone that I used to know in, in grad school or if it's something that I saw on TV once, but um, but someone who eats Beerios, which is basically Cheerios, but pouring oh, sure. beer over oh, it. Oh, nice. I, I think that you should make that a uh, a deluxe version. We, we Yeah, as, as you've been to CFF before, I think you know that at this point, Chattanooga whiskey is legitimately like our official fluid. Uh, right. And this year, the Chattanooga <laughs> Brewing Company are in the mix. So that will happen. I guarantee you. <laughs> That's funny because this morning, Allie, my wife, sent me a text message because she was pouring cereal, pouring Fruity Pebbles this morning, like right after she woke up and she was still kind of out of it. And she poured it in her Coke. Now, first of all, I was like, first of all, I was like, why are you drinking Coke and eating cereal at the same time? That's super weird. But then I was like, just eat it. I was like, right? that sounds yeah. delicious, actually. Just like what, go what for is, it. She's going to have like a religious experience, like some sort of psychedelic <laughs> awakening now. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Barton Milhouse get the just the squishy fluid, not the ice part. Like they get all the money from selling the comic book. <laughs> they had like oh, this man. vision quest peyote trip it's incredible yeah I have a, to ask uh, her about that. A, a wheat beer and some lucky charms uh i think would make a few people's heads explode that sounds pretty great all right so i want to go back to the programming for a second sure because when we were going through the like movies from previous fests we kind of noticed that each year seemed to have a thematic pattern like for example in 2017 we watched like Dave made a maze and uh, David Lynch art life and awesome. uh, devil's candy devil's candy. And they all kind of had this running theme of like people who just need to express themselves through art. Yeah. And I wonder if any, if that's intentional, like when you're programming this fest, do you really try to find films that, you know, you can run a thematic thread through them or, you know, is it just a serendipitous thing or maybe Nathan and I are just overanalyzing things. Yeah, yeah, honestly, you have made me so happy uh, right now uh, because that that is not only a hundred percent there. It's something that I agonize over. And as I'm agonizing over every year, I wonder, is anyone going to notice or is anyone going <laughs> to give a shit that this was the case? So that was yes. a, a thousand percent a theme this year. There's an interesting theme. Uh, interestingly, that is kind of emerged about the devil and about religion. And mm. there are three movies. Uh, one's Hail Satan, a, a very hilarious documentary about the, <laughs> the these guys trying to start the satanic temple, which I can't recommend enough. One's a movie called I Trap the Devil, in which a family come home for Christmas and their father informs them, hey guys, got Satan trapped in the basement. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, and then the other is a, a film that was made in Atlanta on beautiful 16 millimeter black and white film called Hellbound, which was an attempt, I think, to make a cross between The Witch and Easy Rider. <laughs> and it's like this very devilly. So it, this year we get this kind of fun sort of occult theme that, you know, you could take a trip to the festival and see just that stuff and have a very thematically 
you know, you know, it, it would be cohesive experience. But then you could also take 12 other paths and choose your own adventure and get a lot of other stuff. But yeah, those thematics are there to me. Like I treat it like building of a good mixtape and you want mm. everything to feel like it makes sense on that mixtape. Like yeah. there, there's a couple of things this year that I, I rejected not because I didn't really love the movie, just because we had so few slots and it would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Whereas if I opted for something that maybe fit in a little better, it felt a little more cohesive. And it's nice to know that even if it's just underneath the surface, that it feels like there's, you know, something intentional going on between all these choices that, that very much, I, I love that question because we, I, that, that's something I spend a lot of time on. Yeah. And I mean, even with, uh, like you've got sadistic intentions, which, oh my God, I'm so happy that you included that one. We, we love that movie. Yeah, it's I, I love that director. I love that movie. It was honestly like Jeremy and Taylor are our CFF family now. And it's like, if somebody submits a movie with Jeremy Gardner to this festival, it's not like it's automatically accepted. It, but it, but Jeremy's one of those actors that we've had the opportunity to. I mean, we screened the battery with the film club. We've, mm-hmm. I, I I love not just bringing in someone once, but like getting to follow their whole career, getting to support their whole career. And, and uh, Jeremy's one of those actors that I I you know I had the benefit of of getting to work on his his new film something else over the summer, which unfortunately won't be playing here because it was accepted at the Tribeca Film Festival, who demand world premiere status and won't let anyone show anything before them. Mm. But I uh, I absolutely, I, I just think that guy's a genius and anything he's a part of, I want to share. And I think you probably, if you if you saw it at Knoxville, you met Eric Pennykoff, the director. Yeah, the guy he's a wonderful. super rad dude. Not only is he rad dude, like when we made a post on Facebook that we need more help with projectionists, Eric, who's a guy who could have just come in and spent the whole weekend having fun, threw his hat in the ring just to do it. And mm-hmm. so it's like when you see guys like that that are themselves in love with with the movie still and the process of getting them shared, like, I don't know. It just means a lot to me to have films by that kind of filmmaker here, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I saw that post, uh, like, to me, it didn't read as like, all right, fine. If you need someone, I guess. Like, it, I read it as a genuine, like, yeah, whatever you need. Like, I'd, I'd love to do it. Like, I want to be a part of making sure that people have a great experience, even though that's not what he said. Like, th- the subtext was there in, uh, Dude, in what he it, wrote. Dude, it is. He's a great guy. And I, I'm honestly damn proud to be able to share it again, especially in the Southeast. And, uh, you know, I, the Knoxville Horror Film Festival guys are our absolute friends and allies, and I just love their programming, too. And I, I never have gotten the opportunity to get out there uh, for their festival because we're always doing, uh, you know, FAF around the same time, and it always gets crazy right around then. And mm-hmm. that was the one that I really, really regretted missing there. And when it got dropped into our submissions, I was like, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and but like even with that, like it sticks with some of that pseudo occultish theme. You're but... right. Well, there's a heavy metal theme there that emerges too. With uh, yeah. you get into the pseudo occultishness of sadistic intentions of Lords of Chaos as well. Mm. And Lords of Chaos is a bonkers ass motion picture. I don't mind telling you. Like I that that's one I hope people will duck into. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah, I there's so many things that I'm looking forward to this year that like I can't even begin to decide like all right, where do I go first? Now, like, along if- those lines, we've done something that I hope will help you in that regard. We have dropped to two screens, which means because we felt like by having people having to make four choices all starting across from each other, it was making things way too difficult. So mm-hmm. that what we needed to do was start a little earlier in the day you know, figure out how to fit as much content in as we've done in the past, but do it with only two screens and really counter program the screen. So if there's a horror movie playing in one, there is something absolutely different in the other. And so this year, I hope that even though there's as much content as there have ever been, that the choices will be easier to make. I'm that's, actually really excited. Yeah, no, because yeah. we were talking about this yesterday, like how there's already so much that's out there and we want to see all of it. And it's like, how are we going to even decide yeah. like what to go to? Um, so that yeah, actually one, one of my biggest anxieties of the year is when you finally put out like the, not just the <laughs> yeah. waves of films, but the schedule of this is when things are playing. And it's like, I cannot wait to see this movie and I cannot wait to see this movie. And they're only playing once across from each other. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
God, why? <laughs> I know. We try not to do oh, that. You know, God. the other thing is is uh, a lot of distributors now, if you're trying to do second or third shows, will jack the price up on you so much that it becomes prohibitive to even show the movie one time. Like, so mm-hmm. some of that's also part of it. And then the, ske- the schedule itself is like doing Hell's Own Sudoku puzzle because <laughs> you're not only having to consider what works, but you're having certain, like, for example, I knew Harpoon had to be my closing night movie. I have to put it in that slot. So there's no, see, certain things get locked down in certain places because that's when their filmmakers are available to come. And yeah. once you've locked down things based on schedule, you know, when, what, when people can be here, then you have to deal with what's left. And man, it's a nightmare. It really is. It takes our entire team to put it together. I can't even begin to fathom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I had another question and I kind of forgot it, but <laughs> while okay. I'm thinking about it, <laughs> why did you choose What's... Harpoon as the closing night film? Because I, we noticed that it was like you had, when you announced it, it was already marked like this is the closing night film. Like, what is it about that movie that like makes you think, okay, we've got to end on this note. And will you be serving hors d'oeuvres with tiny little uh, Harpoon toothpicks? <laughs> you know, I'm really glad you brought that up too, because we are, we have a giant boat party every year, <laughs> a movie called Harpoon. So me and, uh, and one of the producers, Mike Richardson, who's an awesome guy and i can already tell is going to explode out of the gate into this festival and i'm glad to have him uh it, it, we're trying to come up with something fun we can do for it uh but yeah so harpoon was one of those things that here's a hilarious story i had read about harpoon was so excited to see it and also immediately after finding out that i want you that i was excited to see it and reading about it i found out a company called yellow veil pictures which is run by i think a group of of some of the most movie-loving, intelligent, taste-making human beings in the film industry right now. And every movie that Yellow Veil acquires, they, they, they own things like Starfish, or uh, uh, they just bought, of course, Harpoon. Uh, if you see the movie I Trapped the Devil with Us, that's one of their movies. Like, these guys are making incredible choices and putting incredible movies into the world. And so I was already excited about Harpoon, and then they bought it, and I got even more excited about it. Uh, but it had premiered at, at IFFR. It hadn't had a North American premiere yet. And for me, I'm, you know, I'm still a smaller size festival, even though we're getting a lot of, you know, we're considered one of the 30 greatest genre festivals in the world right now, at least according to Movie Maker magazine. Yeah, you didn't have to bribe anyone for that. So I guess it's real. <laughs> uh, so it's one of those things where I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to end up with this movie. And uh I, I was praying that I could get my hands on it. And then a hilarious thing happened. A submission came through and it was called Harpoon. And I checked it and it was the same damn one I was praying we got. And it was an amazing thing where I realized that, oh, my God, now the movies that I am dreaming of sharing are coming to us. And so it was a big like sea change moment. And honestly, I, I just love that movie so damn much. It's, it's one of those things. I don't if you guys ever seen the movie Dead Calm with uh, uh, Sam Neill, Nicole Kidman, and Billy Zane. All takes place on a boat. It, uh, it's just know perfect. It. I haven't seen it, though. It's amazing. It's this perfect Hitchcockian bottle episode of a thriller on a boat. And Harpoon is a movie that gave me serious dead calm vibes, but it gave them to me in a dark comedy wrapper and a dark comedy candy shell. And I just loved that. And, and it was one of those things where... It, it was, it was special enough that I thought, damn, this is a mic drop of a closing movie. It's so much fun. It has to go there. If this is the, one of the last things people see when they're with us, then it's going to make their whole weekend. It's going to just gel it. And that, that's why it's there. So. so on a related note, and this might be the question that Eric uh, lost in his mind. Um, <laughs> if someone can only attend one movie this year and not like the free screenings, not some of the stuff that's offered for free, but like if someone says I can only afford to go to one movie, what movie is that? Cause I mean the movies that you've said in the past, uh, the invitation, uh, was one of like the best movies that I saw from 2017. So and when, uh, when you awesome. and I were talking about last year's frightening ass film fest and you were like, dude, one cut of the dead. I was like, yeah, I was thinking, like, no, don't think just, just go. Oh my God. Like I, you I need it. Yeah, to it's see awesome. it again. Oh my God. I, I really, I hate that um, it came out illegally on Amazon, oh, but I also awesome. really wish that I had uh, downloaded it when it did, because like, I need to see it again. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. So like you're one movie that you can't miss. 
for me has been like some of the best movies that I've seen. So what's that, the one that, movie? That's incredible. So I'll say this. Uh, there, I've got a couple of different answers to that question. And also, if somebody does only have a couple bucks in their pocket, we do every year try to do a couple of free things. And we have our, our kids screening of Modest Heroes for free this year, which is awesome. And we have the Creature from the Black Lagoon for free. So I hope that if even if somebody has zero dollars in their pocket and they want to be a part of this, that they'll realize. And, and some of the workshops are also free. So there's stuff that, that people can go to. But if you're asking me if I'm uh, and I'm going to give you a, a, a film that thematically fits in with the other ones uh, that we were just talking about, too. Like to me, if you did a double feature of this movie and one cut of the dead, you might have the best day of your entire life. Like, <laughs> uh, and I know that's hyperbolic, oh but I'm going to stand by that hyperbole and hope that you watch a movie called Dead Detectives. Oh, <laughs> yes. It is so much damn fun. I, I It's one of those things that it was four in the morning when I watched it and I loved it so much, I had to call people I know to wake them up and talk about it, <laughs> which is a dick move, by the way. So, it, it, yeah, it made me completely forget myself. I, I just love it. And then also there's stuff like that if you don't see it with us, I don't know how the hell you'll get to see it. And a perfect example of that, and I know this is going to scare the hell out of a lot of people because I'm talking about a four-hour movie here. It's a movie called Bread Factory. And Bread Factory has been split up into into two parts, but they are the most like uh, my friend Peter Kaplowski put it in a great way. He said it's like Twin Peaks if it were just the weird, fun, folksy bits huh. like it's so much damn fun. And to me, what great it, it, the movie even has a message about like how difficult it is to get the arts funded in the modern world. And it's just a hell of a fun movie. And that's another thing I really hope people will take a chance chance on because that movie doesn't have distribution. It's not, you know, it's been a, around for just long enough now that I'm wondering if anyone's going to get smart enough to buy it and put it out there. You know, uh, so th that's one of those things where even though we have a, a, a lot of things that are put out there by distributors, I try to find just as many things that if you don't see them with us, then you may not get a chance, you know, uh, uh, and, and Bread Factory is that movie this year. Well, if you end up putting those two opposite each other, uh, I'm going to be pissed. I, I understand. <laughs> now I'm looking at my schedule being like, did you do that? Um, <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I, I've got Dead Detectives fought, like in a, in a delightful slot where no one will hopefully be able to miss it. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad that that was your answer because as we were going through the lineup yesterday, we were just like, Dead Detective sounds like exactly the kind of movie that we go to these film festivals for. Oh, dude, me, like, it's the reason I have this film festival. Uh, and, you know, also like Travis Stevens debut, The Girl on the Third Floor is another like it, it's one of those that I have no doubt is going to have an amazing life. And it's going to be you're going to be able to walk into a Walmart and buy it on Blu-ray eventually. And mm -hmm. so to me, that's not like a reason not to see it. You should absolutely see it. But it's one. Of, it's not one of those things like Bread Factory that I just don't know how the hell you'd run into if you don't run into it here. Or mm -hmm. in the case of Dead Detectives, um, you know, I, I'm not privy to tell you where that's going to be released later, but it's going to be a while before anybody gets to see it again. You know, so it's it's one of those things where I feel like I kind of have a duty to, to share some of these things with cinephiles before they just vanish or, or be, before it becomes even more obscure or out of print or something like that. Yeah. And like, that's even been some of the stuff uh, like when I'm frantically trying to figure out which film to go to, whether or not I'm going to be able to see it again is one of the big deciding factors. Yeah, so, me, me too. You know, you, you see these South by Southwest lineups and things like that. And they're all no offense to these movies. I'm excited about them. But they're things like us or Pet Cemetery. They're they're studio movies that are a week away from coming out, basically. Mm. And I, if I go to a film festival, those aren't the choices I make. Uh, you know, it's no, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't go to the premiere of the new Halloween at, at Fantastic Fest and freak out when I was in a room with Jamie Lee Curtis. I did that. But I, for the most part, made choices of films that were things that I knew I wasn't going to get to get to run into. And if you're handling CFF that way, I think you're making smart picks, you know? Yeah. And thankfully, a lot of the ones that you pick do end up showing up somewhere. Um, yeah. Which, which is how Eric's been able to start prepping for this year. Um, and even some of the ones that, like, I'm surprised got distribution, like... Oh crap! What was the one uh, that had Pinchelet last year? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, you're talking about director's cut. Yeah, yeah. Direct. 
was it last year or the year before? Anyways, with, director's, year before. Yeah. with director's Cut, it does not look like the kind of movie that I would ever see released. And um, and it's on Prime now, I think. And it's just like, yeah, it's on this Prime. Movie you know, our buddy Rob bonkers. G from Shockwaves, actually, his company, Dread Central Presents, put it out. Oh, no, oh, not Dread. Okay. But uh, yeah, that was one of those things where that director is Adam Rifkin. And uh, if you if you aren't familiar with Adam Rifkin, uh, you guys are podcast fans. Uh, if you heard uh, uh, a couple years ago, we had a guy named Steven Scarlatta come into FAF to do a, a lecture about the best films never made. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he has a podcast now called The Best Films Never Made. Which and, is uh, a lot of fun to listen to. It's so great. And uh, there's an episode where Adam Rifkin, the director of Director's Cut, is on there. And you start to see that Director's Cut was actually a very interesting experiment for Adam, too. And it was completely different than the movie he made after it, which we happened to show last year. It was the last movie star with Burt Reynolds. Uh, Burt's kind of swan song before he passed. And so Rifkin is one of those directors that, to me, it was it was awesome enough to, like, that I could get offered an Adam a new Adam Rifkin movie right now for CFF sight unseen and I'd take it because I know how much in love with making movies and what a cool dude that guy is. I, I just know that it would be something, even if it's only worth watching once, that's worth watching. You know? Yeah. yeah. And Rifkin directed De- Detroit Rock City, he which did, I used to watch is, like dude, so I, much when I was when I was a teenager. It so damn much. Yeah, it's great. I've seen that movie probably at least like 20 times. Insane, <laughs> like, man. It's a great more. rock and roll movie. It's fun. So much fun. <laughs> uh, Eric, you looked like you had a question. I don't want to monopolize all of them. Well, I was thinking about saving this for the end, but I don't know. I'm uh, just going to say it anyway. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so you've announced so many great movies to the point where like I'm already stressed out about like <laughs> wanting to watch all of them. Well, I'm However, sorry. I'm curious to know, do you have any more surprises in store for us at this point? Oh boy, do I! Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's two things uh, film-wise that have not been announced yet, and this year we're taking a different approach to our secret screening. We've got our hands on a secret screening this year that, and you know, I realize that the following sentence that you guys are the first audience on Earth that will have seen it could be like a kid made a short film in his shed, uh, <laughs> but that's not the case. We have nothing wrong with true, that. We have something truly special for a secret screening this year, and it's so special that rather than just let it be a flat-out secret, we're about to start torturing the hell out of all of you with hints uh, to uh-huh, kind of, yes. you know, and, and uh, that's a thing that I hope people will wander into. There is another film that's going to get plugged in on closing night that's a brand-new restoration of kind of a forgotten classic that I really hope people are going to be excited about because it's something I'm... It's one of those things, like, I don't know if you guys caught Belladonna of Sadness, the... Uh, the sort of uh, the anime, uh, just I don't even know how to explain this movie that uh, that Spectre Vision re- like re-released a couple years back that we had. This is this is a movie made by the company or you know being put out by the company that put that out, and these guys are just making unbelievable choices, and I am stoked to share this movie. So it's also like you pointed it out yourself with that first wave where we did uh, you know podcast and Mallory and things like that. This year, it wasn't just about announcing waves of just movies. It was about kind of like finding a fun way to sprinkle breadcrumbs along the trail of every week so that there's not there's always something cool to be announced. You know what I mean? Uh, So, yeah, there's more surprises for sure. And there's stuff that's happening on the ground that I dare not tell you. Even, you know, some some poor bastards like myself that are going to have to i've got more costume changes than liberace for this festival. <laughs> so you know it's uh but it's going to be worth it i hope so love it so three things thing number one please tell me that one of those costume changes is uh the shirt that uh that brie was wearing um no not brie dre dre yeah, Dre. Yeah, Dre. That she was wearing last year with the uh, fire boobies. Please tell me that's one of the shirts that you're going to be wearing. <laughs> you never know. If if not, uh, it needs to be. Nor deny. I will say this. Our our volunteer t-shirts this year, because people let me get away with way too many dumb jokes in the world of CFF, say I volunteered for CFF and all I got was this admittedly very comfortable t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> so. Nice. Uh, thing number two, are you at liberty to say when the secret screening is? of the one that's... I am yeah okay, it's, cool. it's uh and I'll say this it's earlier than we normally do it in the festival but for good reason because there are some special guests coming with it and their mm-hmm. only day of availability was Thursday and I'll actually we're Ooh. about to put the first hint out there into the world so I'll go ahead and give you guys a scoop the first hint is that this film is a 
project already kind of shrouded in mystery that was created by an, a beloved rock and roll band that just happened to be playing a sold out show in Chattanooga ar- at around the time of the festival. And I can't say any more than that, but hmm. this thing is a mind blower. And I'll also say this, there, there is a link between this film and the films that Benson and Moorhead have made. There's a link to Spring, there's a link to Resolution, there, there's a link to even their new film, Synchronic, uh, that I think is, is, is pretty damn cool. And I'm very excited to have this filmmaker get a chance to show what she's done with this. I can't begin to explain yeah, how excited I am, guess. and yeah. I I need to scour the internet now. I'm, I'm already taking yeah. notes to uh, to try and decipher this. I I'm so uh, there, curious. And there's also a VHS scavenger hunt during CFF that's going to get in. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you Nathan, need extra VHS? Just say Nathan has VHS tapes if you need some. <laughs> yeah. Honest to God, if you need some uh, as prices, I have a ton of just crappy VHS and some decent ones. Um, so, uh, yeah, let me, let me know if you need some of those. Oh, yeah. It's actually you don't get VHSs if you win. We give you a, like a gift basket loaded with about $400 worth of cool stuff, all all donated by CFF sponsors. Oh, nice. And we've got some really amazing sponsors this year. We're, we're working with Fangoria again or we're working with Shudder. Like it's it's. We've been able to, to bring in some really incredible folks. And then the North Shore Merchants Collective, uh, down where the Chattanooga Theater Center is, has done some really incredible things for us, too. So it's one of those things where we're not also just – it's like you hear about uh, music festivals like Moon River. That that big festival kind of turns North Chattanooga into a giant cluster f- that no one can park or live or even go to the bathroom comfortably for a week. CFF tries to not do that. We try to you know be a welcome addition to the neighborhood and – it's like a point of pride that we get to work with so many small businesses, you know, just like us. Well, and I love the fact that it is at the uh, Chattanooga Theater Center because I feel like it just gives it more of that intimate atmosphere and it makes it, I don't know, I, I love the environment and uh, I think that it was I'm a very really smart move last year and glad that it's staying there. Uh, all right. Another stupid question before at, at least one more still kind of stupid, but uh, <laughs> more movie related. So sure. the other secret screening that you were talking about, mm-hmm. is it Ernest Scared Stupid? It's not. But you know what's <laughs> funny? I love Ernest Scared Stupid so much that for years I've been trying to figure out how to do an entire block of Ernest films. And I have a name nice. for this block of Ernest films. And you're going to love it. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. It is the importance of seeing Ernest. <laughs> uh, yes. So I uh, honestly like Ernest Scared Stupid was one of those movies that was like a gateway horror drug for me. Oh yeah. And I was sure. taken to see it by a grandmother that no way in hell would have taken me to it had she known how monstery it was. Because it <laughs> me up a little in a great way. I so love great. it. Are, are we going to be able to see that this year? Maybe at the Frightening Ass Film Fest? I would. You, you know what? Let, I, I, by God, I'm going to try to make that happen now. Please so. do. Let's do it. Oh, God, so, please do. One of the things I love is like how, like with movies like um, Suburbia and. Um, yeah. What's the what's the other one? I'm, the, the one with the uh, Vice Squad. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I yeah. love is like that you at festivals like this you get a chance to see these movies where like what other like you you're probably never really going to get a chance to see these films on the big screen again. These classic films. So one thing I've always been curious about is like how agonizing is the process of like I have all of these movies that I love that I want to share. Like how do I decide on which classic films to play at the festival like what is that like for you well i can tell you this i have literally asked 68 guests and films with those guests to be here this year that could not make it uh so a lot of it is it's not i'm not going to say that like we take what we're left with everything we're choosing we still love but it's like 10 tumblers that have to line up Mm -hmm. for us to make those choices so in the case of vice squad Director Gary Sherman is a friend of mine and happened to be available to attend that weekend. There just happened to be a brand new Shout Factory 4K restoration of Vice Squad that just happened to be ready in enough time for us to use it. Uh, so a lot of the, a lot of those things uh, in the case of Suspiria or Suspiria, excuse me, Suburbia, <laughs> uh, there's a new uh, we've we've showed Suspiria before too, so it's on my brain. But uh, we uh, it, it was one of those things where there was also a new restoration of it. But I knew that my friend Zach Carlson, who is quite literally one of the guys that helped write the book on punk rock and movies, a book called Destroy All Movies, 
was going to be able to be here. And since that new restoration and Zach were going to be around at the same time, I just thought, God, I've got to do this this year. You know, like this is the right person to put how great this movie is into context for people. So it's a lot of different factors. But but the one underlying factor is they're all things I love and they're all things that I think are underloved. Uh, and, you know, you're starting to see things like, again, the Monster Squad, when we showed it four years ago, it was a cult hit and we all loved it. But I think it's gone through a renaissance since that period. And the same with mm -hmm. like Joe Bob Briggs. You know, when we brought Joe Bob in year two, everyone in our community knew who Joe Bob was. But now he's on, you know, plastered on ads everywhere, performing on it's South by Southwest, you know, going all these huge, incredible places, has a TV show. But still hasn't forgotten about us you know yeah. like like so i really it's a lot the the choices are made with love but they're also made sometimes practically you know like uh, like uh just just what i can get my hands on and, and in the case of a couple of older films this year we've had to go to some crazy ass links like there there's one case uh, where i literally had to get a translator i, I had to get someone who spoke French to even get me through the door with the distributor. And uh, it's just been agonizing. Uh, so you mentioned Zach Carlson. And since it's not the most uncommon of names, is this the same Zach Carlson from American Genre Film Archive and Bleeding Skull? That's Zach. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Absolutely love him. Me um, too. All right. So I've, I've got some, again, silly-ish, but still uh, related to movies. Um well, this one's not actually all that silly, but like, what's your horror movie baseline? Because I mean, a lot of what you show is horror uh, or, or genre films that have some horror elements to it. So like, what's your baseline? And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the best horror movie that you've ever seen, but it's the one um, like that one movie that kind of serves as a litmus test that you judge all other horror movies against. That's a great question. I, you know, I've got a couple, honestly. Uh, to me, I, I really love Night of the Living, or not Night of the Living Dead. I, I love Night of the Living Dead a lot, but A Nightmare on Elm Street is, I personally consider my all-time favorite horror film uh, because it does look, it, it, first of all, I saw it when I was young and it's a teen horror film, ostensibly, but it's one with a very smart brain in its head and one that I find that whether you're a fan of slasher movies or you're a little more cerebral of a genre fan, that people tend to, it, it sort of represents that cross section. And I, I think Poltergeist is another great example because it's, you know, at its heart, a Spielbergy crowd pleaser of a movie, but it's still in a very effective, fun, scary movie, you know? And, mm -hmm. and uh, I always try to, and again, I, I think some people think when they think the horror genre, they're thinking of like the human centipedes or the Serbian films or mm -hmm. things like that. And I'm not really Why? trying to. <laughs> to mess with people that way you know I, i'm like i'm not gonna say i don't have content that that has some disturbing moments to it but i'm not trying to make people feel that way with the things i'm programming i i feel like cff is about escapism and joy uh, in a lot of ways and and I, I very carefully try to you know curate horror content i also feel like it was about kind of flipping what a film festival is on its head which is uh, you know, I've been to a million film festivals in my life uh, over my career. And the, the sad fact is the most of them are mostly drama with a few genre films peppered in. And, mm -hmm. you know, I I, uh, I kind of wanted to do it the other way. I wanted there to be mostly genre and fun stuff and escapism and still have some of those great dramas and still have things that are a little more heartfelt or thoughtful. But to me, the mix felt more interesting if we went about it the other way. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, there I get a lot of hate mail because of it. I have people that have <laughs> stopped attending the festival. There is a college in Cleveland that we didn't, you know, that I'm sure you guys know which one it is. Uh, <laughs> yep. The professor there, even though we've accepted films by their students in the past this year sent us a short film that was a straight up advertisement for their college <laughs> in short film form and wrote us an angry letter that we didn't accept it and uh that's you know that's wow. one of those well it's one of those things where we wrote him and we said hey this year your shorts didn't make it in but we've shown your shorts before and we will show them again so please like don't stop submitting to us, but it's definitely polarizing for some folks. The The genre thing is not for everyone, but for me, it's why I love going to the movies. And, 
you know, I invite someone to start the uh, prestige drama Chattanooga Film Festival if they would like to. <laughs> you know, certainly there's room for it, and maybe those people will be happier there. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. Well, but, and like this yeah. is something that Eric and I have talked about a, a lot, like in terms of why we love horror movies, is because it takes these um, sometimes taboo subjects or even just like things that are part of real life that no one ever talks about. And it puts it in your face in such a gritty way that, like, you can't avoid talking about it. So, I mean, even with things like, um, even with, um, God, why does my brain stop working? Um, I, get, I get it. God, I, Which, I am the worst. Throw some, throw some magic to get out. There to just, why get out. Okay. why was I? I wanted to say this is us. I was like, no, that's that is completely different. <laughs> so, like, even with Get Out, where it takes very subtle racism, but it shoves it in your face to a point where like you have to address this. Where like a lot of people don't want to talk about racism. They don't want to talk about social inequality. They don't want to talk about religion and fear and politics. And that is what I love about horror movies. You're right. It, is, it's it's you get to you see more big ideas smuggled into horror films than almost any other genre i think you really do like it, it's it gives it's such a great template to talk about so many things that matter and i just i i applaud smart movies like get out i i think things that do that are, are very smart and i also think that like a lot of genres horror exists on a spectrum and you've got the trauma end of that spectrum where it's all blood and splatter and fun and then you've got you know, things that are a little scarier and a little more subtle. And I try to always show both. Uh, like I've got Mutant Blast this year, but then I have, you know, a South Korean ghost story called The Wrath. that is the definition of subtlety, hmm. but it's it's awesome. You know, so I just I, I as a horror fan, I love all that stuff. And I, I try to, you know, let people know that the genre has got a lot more breadth to it than they might realize. Uh, in fact, year one of CFF we did a panel called why genre is important trying to contextualize the way we were going to go about programming this thing. And a lot of people attended it, but you know, obviously the people who, you know, that we're worried about are the people that would never attend something called. Right. That, you know? mm. So, uh, it related to horror. One of the things that I love doing is trying to convince people that movies that are so absolutely not horror are in fact horror movies. So things like home alone, Jumanji, any of the Disney movies. I, um, I just watched a rock climbing doc called Free Solo that oh, definitely yeah, made my that. butthole clinch up more than any horror <laughs> So I, I agree with that. So what are some movies that are definitely not horror movies that you would try to convince someone like, oh, yeah, this is totally a horror movie. And, you know, because like with Home Alone, you've got the home invasion. You've got a kid being left alone. Jumanji, you've got... Uh, some supernatural stuff going on so like there's reasons to justify it it's not just kind of like i'm gonna say that tiny tune adventures is horror even though it probably could be uh so yeah like what are some non-horror horror movies i honestly i i wonder what the director would say about this not being a horror movie but i think things like requiem for a dream which mm. you know on the surface is a drama about addiction and and how it ravages the lives of a group of people but made as viscerally as as any horror film and with a lot of the violence and the disturbing moments and the trappings of the horror genre or even stuff like uh you know gaspar no uh gaspar no who's made you know films like irreversible just had climax come out which our buddies at central cinema in knoxville uh, mm -hmm. william are showing right now that you know gaspers are movies that are i mean they're they're not easily you know classifiable films i tend to think of them more as dramas though but they disturb me and they freak me out in a way that no horror film does and it's it's often tough for me to revisit them because of the way they make me feel so a lot of stuff like that you know even i think like Things like Kramer versus Kramer, a, a, uh, a divorce drama where two parents are fighting over the custody of their beloved child, to me, is sad and scary. You know, it's it's the stuff that that reminds me of how fucked up the real world is that is often, you know, scarier to me than, than horror. Uh, a movie called Hounds of Love, if you saw that recently, the Australian film, uh, it's, it's about a couple of serial killers that, you know, uh, catch young girls and basically, you know, sort of mess with their minds for a while before they do eventually kill them. And again, that sounds like a like a horror movie on paper, but it's a drama about relationships and kind of a character study when you watch it. But it scared the shit out of me. It really yeah. did. Yeah. 
hmm, I, I need to check some of those out that I have yeah, not and seen. Yeah, again, I realize those answers <laughs> were about as far from Jumanji and Home Alone as you can get. <laughs> no, but, no, uh, you but know, I, again, I, I really think Jumanji, when I was a kid, I saw Jumanji in the theater on first run, and it freaked me out. I, I was excited by what I saw, and I like how unsafe kids' movies felt back then. Like, yeah, think yeah. about the, like, think about how disturbing as shit never-ending story is that's a oh horror movie god <laughs> like when yeah. uh, our tax sinks in the yeah. mud, man, that's trauma there's ptsd <laughs> out there because of that yeah i, I felt that way about the goonies like no, i know that, that does lean a little bit more kind of in horror it really elements, does i guess in a way but like with, with i remember the very first time i watched goonies like i will never forget like the first time they show sloth i was like what the f- is that? <laughs> same man it freaked me out it really did so i don't know i, I love that uh I, I like that we're seeing now with the return of amblin entertainment that uh and things like you know spielberg's getting things out there that feel like those movies like i don't know if you watched eli roth's the house with the clock in its walls but that movie reminded me of like watching the witches or you know watching hmm. the dark crystal or kind of the vibes that i got from those things which were unafraid to let kids get a little bit scared i think it's good for them you know yeah, yeah. absolutely Oh yeah, I, there are a few movies that I've recommended to Eric that he show his kids because his kids are old enough to you know like sure. watch movies. Mm. My son is still only eight months old, so I can get away with saying some of this stuff. Yeah, My kids sure. are so into horror stuff already. Too. Like they love Goosebumps and like said, they're so yeah, awesome. into that, it. But, but I'm yeah, recommending that, stuff like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. You're getting a little bit further on, down the spectrum there. Well, and it, what the funny thing is, is I've never really pushed that stuff on them. Like I think that kids are just naturally kind of curious when it comes to scary stuff, and I feel like keeping that away from them is probably more harmful than just being like, yeah, if you're afraid of something, you need to face it. Like that is why we have these movies. So yeah, I, I think I you're that. so right about that. And for me growing up, I wasn't made to cover. I was made to cover my eyes when a movie horror movie trailer came on TV, but I wasn't made to cover my ears, you know, and right. what I heard and what happened in my imagination was way yeah. worse <laughs> than yeah. if I allowed to just, you know, if I was, given an opportunity by a parent and not that my parents didn't care, but you know, if, if you're giving your kids the context for things, that's all that matter. You know, that oh, that's yeah. awesome. You know, well related to that. And this is the last question that I've got. Oh, um, sure. If if little kid Chris Dorch could like go back and create his first film festival. So, you know, like you're 10 years old or whatever at, at the point where you've watched enough movies to where that love and appreciation has started to grow, but still very, very early on. Like, what are some of the films that you would put in like your very first film festival? I, I love this question. Uh, first of all, I can tell you it's a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. It's stuff like The Witches or Young Sherlock Holmes or The Peanut Butter Solution or The Quest with Henry Thomas. Like, there's a lot of great kids. A Return to Oz. Did you guys ever see the sequel to Wizard of Oz? It is mm-hmm. legitimately scary and cool. And it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola's career long editor. You know, it's, yeah. it's an unbelievable movie. So things like that, you know, things that I think, you know, even though kids would appreciate them, parents that love film would too, you know? Yeah. And that's eight-year-old me saying this. So, you know, <laughs> that's a, clearly a very sophisticated you, young man. I was going to say, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to yeah. say eight-year-old you is still a very uh, strong yeah, part of who yeah. you are, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you so much. This no has problem, been an guys. absolute yeah. blast. Um, where This is the time for all of that shameless self-promotion. Uh, like, Where I can people that. find information about Jack Film Fest? Where can they get tickets? All of the things that you want to make sure uh, people actually know. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, our website is just chatfilmfest.org, and we are on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, just as Chat Film Fest, so you can find us in all of those places, and there are updates and annoying, vague clues about secret screenings and all sorts (laughs) of stuff, so fantastic uh eric where do you want people to find you not as important as chat film fest but, you know, I, I, but we will be covering chat film you fest. guys are talking about us see that's where i was going with this like if we're going to be talking about it for a while now and especially during the fest like you know maybe we'll be i mean i know i'll be tweeting out tweeting out and posting a bunch of stuff while we're there so yeah follow me on uh twitter at the chimerican or um on instagram at chimerican reviews and then um you can check out my Letterboxd account at Eric J A Y. 
And you can follow me on uh, Facebook and on Instagram at The Gargoyle Podcast, on Twitter at Gargoyle Podcast, and on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. And if you enjoyed this episode or want to hear more of our coverage of Chat Film Fest 2019, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher are probably the three biggest ones that people actually use. Just do a search for The Gargoyle Podcast. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it is a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. Yep. Yep. Oh, also, here's a, here's a, a quick plug. Um, I put together a list on Letterboxd of all of the films that are going to be playing at Chat Film Fest 2019. Did you? That's so, so awesome. I went Thank ahead and put it together. So if you search for lists on Letterboxd, I just named it Chattanooga Film Fest 2019. So, dude, that's awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much for doing that. I'm gonna yeah, let no people problem. know that's out there. Yeah, that's I mean, people have been asking us to do that, and I've meant to. I yeah. kept going back and forth, like just searching for all these movies. And I'm like, I need to just put these all together. Like, yeah. that's, that's what this so is for. Rad. So, <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah, it makes it so much easier to find them. Uh, and another quick plug because this is still something that is very new for us, and sometimes we almost forget to talk about it. Um, you mentioned Central Cinema and Knoxville Horror Film Fest. They are now now our sponsors so oh, that's amazing um, yeah knox horror fest already has their submissions open for this year and central cinema plays some just amazing kick-ass movies uh the lineup that they've got coming up for this upcoming week is a lot more of the a lot of the stuff that is more of the indie cinema and newer films that you know like you've been talking about chris stuff that you don't generally have a chance to see outside of film fest and uh indie theaters so definitely check out central cinema support them and for the love of god go to chattanooga film festival it's it is one of my all-time favorite times of year like this year it might actually be for the love of satan if you look at it so i'm not sure i'm not sure i don't know though it sounds like sounds like god's trying to compete with you with those uh prayers that he answered there about harpoon you know next year i'm just going to do all inspirational family films and it's going to be everyone's going to get what they want eventually so fantastic um yeah like i i there are a lot of times of year that are my favorite time of year but anytime that april starts not even april uh pretty much as soon as christmas is over it's like okay when's chat film fest the next big thing chat film fest yeah (laughs) that's awesome i'm glad that we rate right after christmas but that's a big one that's a big one (laughs) yeah my year pretty much goes um chat film fest to um to my anniversary to, <laughs> good, good for you. Yes. to my son's Glad birthday that one. yep <laughs> almost forgot him uh to all the stuff happening around october which is a ton frightening ass film fest uh knoxville horror film fest halloween like just all of that stuff yeah, around man. october and then straight into christmas and uh then it starts over again I'm well, it sounds like your point. priorities are straight to me so <laughs> but, what, but what do i know <laughs> Well, that's because we love you. Again, Chris, thank you so much. This is yeah, anytime, guys. Happy to do it. We really love appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, we really appreciate that you took the time to talk to us because I'm sure, you know, you're <laughs> things are crazy right now. <laughs> uh, like I said, liquid meals, but it's fine. They've got lots of nutrients. So, <laughs> uh, in any closing words about the film fest? No, I'll just say this. Like, uh, the reason we do this is is because of guys like you who are taking time on your lunch break at your day jobs to make a podcast about how much you love movies. Uh, so just know that means a lot to us and and that if you're the kind of person who's out there hearing all of us geek out about these kind of things, then I hope that we've created the world's ultimate support group for you. <laughs> and, and come and join us all in group therapy in early April. Uh, so Love it. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. All right, that's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Kaverican. And Chris is leaving. (laughs) Say goodbye, Chris. Bye, Chris. Chris. All right, guys, take care. Appreciate it. (laughs) 